0: Hello from Charlotte, I'm James Briarton, and welcome to this Carolina Weather Group Best Of. Over the course of the next half an hour, we're going to look at some of our best of moments from 2019. And 2019 was a very special year for us here at the Carolina Weather Group as we celebrated our sixth year on the air and crossed a 300-episode milestone. So in tonight's Best Of, you'll get a, something a little special. You'll be able to hear from the panel themselves talking about many of these moments as we intersplice the conversations from a 300 special with some of the raw moments from throughout the year. So thanks so much for checking us out tonight. And now without further ado, here is the Best Of the Carolina Weather Group 2019. Welcome to the 300th episode of the Carolina Weather Group. Shay, tell me why the Waffle House Index of Pat Warner stands out in your head besides the fact that we've already talked about we like food.
1: You know, there's damages, powers out, and you know, there's there's just a lot of people in need. What they do is they sort of, they, they kind of rush in, they get a store open, they get generators going, they start cooking food. It's even been addressed by the President of the United States.
2: I send them an Excel spreadsheet twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to incorporate it in, and, and, and they create a map. Current administration and, and the past administration, we didn't get that spreadsheet in on time, and it was funny because we, uh, we we got a call saying that both President Obama and President Trump are waiting to see the status of the Waffle House restaurants, which that blew our minds because we're thinking, you know, they should be focused on more important things, but uh, we can just say them, you
0: know, yes, President Trump, they're serving bacon. We're good.
1: So, guys, that was my first episode with the Carolina Weather Group. And I was absolutely mortified. Um, In case you haven't picked up on it, I'm not an operational or I'm sorry, I'm not a broadcast uh, student. I prefer the operational behind the scenes kind of stuff. So the idea of coming on a show that I didn't know anyone um, and talking with a very, very important executive, um, both in the uh, Waffle House world and also kind of in the weather world, um, it really shook me to my core. What are the criteria for canceling or postponing and delaying a game when there's a thunderstorm in the area?
3: Uh, So for canceling or postponing a game, lightning wise, MLB does not have a rule like the NCAA. So we're kind of worried about anything within the four to five mile radius. And that's when we'll start to post things on the uh, stadium scoreboard. You know, want to head to shelter, move away, but there is not an MLB standard. Um, We've played, on with a lot of lightning going on in the distance.
2: What strikes me is the number of people that don't realize that you cannot have thunder without lightning and vice versa. There's still this perpetual perception error that exists among the public that, well, I'm safe as long as I don't see lightning. If I see lightning, then I'm in danger. I was asking the kids today, well, if if you hear thunder, are you still at risk? And probably one half to two thirds of the kids said, wow, I'm still safe.
0: This past weekend, 23 people lost their lives to tornadoes. The storm system prompted 97 tornado warnings across four states. Seen here, divided up by local National Weather Service offices, the hardest hit areas were undoubtedly along the borders of Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. 97 tornado warnings is 97 times that countless communities sent themselves and their families to safe places. 34 of those tornadoes turned out to be the real thing. Um, At the center of this tornado outbreak that played out across the southeast, you may recall it was hit, uh, one of the areas hit hardest was in lee county alabama just outside of columbus georgia we actually were on that night on cable television in the area as they were continuing to uh, deal with the aftermath of this we were able to push to community fundraisers and events that were taking place Uh, wrbl television was kind enough to share some of their content with us and even our friend chief meteorologist bob jeswald uh, shared a few minutes of his time with us as well that night badly injured and trapped by large trees and other debris, Jalen began digging out helping his family and strangers while his mother carried his injured brother and his auntie carried her injured daughter.
4: I picked him up and did like a fireman carry over some trees and stuff and um, that's, when guys, um, that's when the guy that's when the guy he um, jumped out the truck for the trainsaw. So, And he just started plowing through trees to make a path for my cousin and uh, me to bring the babies to him.
0: And again, information on your screen, how you can donate financially in the greater Columbus area. And joining us now from Columbus, Georgia, is WRBL-TV's chief meteorologist, Bob Jeswald. Bob, we just watched the piece from your colleague, Elizabeth White. That is one of the most heartbreaking and touching pieces of television I've seen in a long time. How is the community doing?
5: Pretty surprisingly is is doing um, as well as anyone can imagine. It's amazing how everyone has come together as one. I mean, it's it's like everybody's family right now.
0: And, and you know, we revisit those moments. They're, they're not easy. Uh, but we wish we didn't have to do it at all. But we are happy to be able to uh, advocate for those who are in need at those times. And we, again, thank those local partners. Um, even in an event that... Its epicenter was not here in the Carolinas. The outpouring we saw from here in the Carolinas and beyond uh, was absolutely heartwarming. And uh, that's a testament to all of you at home who watch and listen. Uh, and so we thank you as well.
6: So just uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what happened this weekend.
0: Well, it was the
7: ideal setup to get uh, severe weather and tornadoes uh, across from southern Alabama up into South Carolina. A uh, storm system had gone by uh, earlier, about two or three days earlier, and went off the east coast, and it left a front draped across the south, uh, from central South Carolina down into southern Alabama. And that front sat there until another system came along, and uh, all those uh, strong tornadoes started to form along the front.
0: We're waiting uh, to hear more from the National Weather Service. We have a tornado warning for Aiken and Edgefield Counties until 645. We had
7: certainly very strong winds from a subtropical jet stream, which Ano helped out a little bit with. And uh, we had very dramatic changes in air mass on either side of the front. It was very warm and humid on the south side and very cold on the north side. So the combination of the temperature contrast, the strong jet stream, and the position of the front uh, was perfect for a March tornado
0: outbreak uh, over the southeast as we're continuing to track a tornado warning for Lexington coming into Western Columbia Metro.
6: Now how many uh, tornado warnings did uh, your office issue?
7: Uh, Here in Columbia we issued nine tornado warnings and uh, we verified five tornadoes. The five tornadoes we had were either EF1 or EF2.
6: And where was the strongest one at?
7: The strongest tornado we had was in uh, Edgefield County which is uh, just north of Augusta, Georgia. Um, We had uh, winds up to 125 miles per hour, with those it was uh, almost an EF3 but just not quite. Um, Tremendous amount of uh, tree damage associated with that particular tornado.
0: Got one here now that was just issued for Aiken and Edgefield, South Carolina until 645. Uh, We have another one here over portions of uh, Orangeburg County that will continue until 615.
6: uh, The three tornadoes in Lexington originally, can I talk a little bit about those just briefly?
7: Sure, yeah, that was a very complex situation. Um, We actually at one point in Lexington County had a tornado spin up from the same supercell that caused the tornadoes farther to
0: the west. I think we can all see it almost clear day here. And it's going to be right on here, Uh, and it's going to be very, very quickly approaching Red Bank.
7: As it moved farther to the east in Lexington County and approached the Red Bank and Lexington areas, We wound up with two tornadoes on the ground at the same time for about three or four minutes or rather. Just before it got to West Columbia and it started to dissipate, however right after that a new tornado formed just on the other side of the river uh, near the Riverbank Zoo in Richland County and uh, that was uh, our fifth tornado of the day.
0: Find the thing that's got the most number of walls between you and the outside world because we now have a tornado warning that goes into 745 and includes the Columbia metro area. This one in particular sticks out in our minds because we were live on the air as this tornado crossed Interstate 26. We believe we've captured the rain-wrapped tornado crossing the interstate. You won't see the actual tornado itself because like all of the storms across the region that day, they were rain-wrapped, meaning there was a wall of rain around the actual tornado. But nonetheless, you can see the heavy winds, the heavy rain, and the impact it made as it crossed this very busy section of road. Take a look. This has got to be sixty miles hour
8: winds moving
9: through. Yeah, that I, I believe that this is moving through very quickly. This, and again, this tornado—if there's a tornado in here—it's going to be rain wrapped. Um, and it's going. To, it looks like if there's a circulation, it's crossing I twenty six right now.
8: Let's. Um, I've got the radar. Um, can we double box this? Let's. See. I got the velocities up right now on radar in Orangeburg. Uh, let me get that screen share for you all. This is the uh, velocities. Right here is Interstate 26, so right here is what we are watching. I would assume right in this area is the video uh, that you see the, uh, the rain really moving in, as well as the, the, the circulation rotation being um, shown here on uh, how we are Interstate 26 in Orangeburg. Jared.
0: One of the examples of weather caught on camera here at the uh, Carolina Weather Group.
1: Yeah, I think Scott, it wasn't that the day that you had to take cover during live storm uh, storm coverage because of a tornado.
8: Yeah, Evan. I, I, in fact, I think it was a, a three day span. You guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it started that Friday afternoon. We had a few tornado warnings, which one was in my house at my house, and then that Saturday with what you guys just saw, that was the major day. We had another tornado warning here. So I've, I've lived here, you know in Morganton, all my life, and I can remember you know, a handful of tornado warnings, but I've never had any, you know, back-to-back days. So uh, that was crazy. And, you know, I've never really had to take shelter because if the tornado warning was issued, it was normally off to my east, but this was the first time that the warning actually included my house. So I think we've got some video of uh, me heading to shelter while covering the tornado warnings. We're going to go seek shelter and I'll be back uh, momentarily.
0: Scotty Powell, thank you very much. Best to you guys. We'll check in with you after the storm. Uh, We will continue to monitor what is uh, this live shot inside uh, Scotty's residence there in Morganton as he has now moved uh, he and his family to a safe location. Hey, James, I'm I'm here in my safe place. Uh, uh,
8: The the potential tornado may track just south of my location, so I'm going to watch it on radar for the next little bit, and I may uh come back up into my office and join you guys but again i just wanted to check in here uh from the safe place this is where uh this is where i seek shelter uh this is an interior uh bathroom and and closet in my basement Uh
0: more of the best of the carolina weather group coming up Now back to the best of the Carolina Weather Group 2019.
8: We are heading to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina today to take part in the uh, Hurricane uh, Awareness Tour. Evan? Yep. Hurricane Hunter is going to be there along with several meteorologists um, from the National Hurricane Center. All right, we're here at the Hurricane Awareness Tour, and we're with National Hurricane Center Director Ken Graham. Uh, last year, North Carolina experienced Alberto. Uh, we had Florence, even some touches of Michael with heavy rain. So uh, as you guys just finished your review of those events, tell us about some of the, maybe the uh, crazy stats that you saw come out of Florence uh, with the heavy rain threat.
2: Yeah, the, it's interesting when you look at it because the actual track forecast was, was pretty much right on track. We did a great job with the track. And the, the intensity forecast is still tough. I mean, we we're underdoing it at the beginning, and then we overshot the intensity forecast towards the end. So we still struggle with this whole intensity problem. But here's the deal: despite the intensity, the impacts were the same. Even with the winds coming down, the impacts didn't change at all. Storm surge. Think about this: a hundred miles inland, we had the highest values of the storm surge. I mean, that's something that we talk about. It's not just a coastal threat; it's inland, and that was predicted four days ahead of time. The rainfall forecast, almost perfect, five days ahead of time. So what's happening here? We we got good forecasts. But we still have people in the water. So I think there's this is other component that we have to talk about it. And it's, it's behavioral and social science, getting that information into the forecast as well. And so we can communicate the best we can to get a good response. You guys went to the Central Plains?
8: That, uh, you know, experiencing that, Evan, if, if I had to break an ankle, that was fine because it was an absolute blast. Something I've never been able to do, I've always wanted to do. and Break your ankle? Not bring my ankle. I've done that before. I didn't. You know, this is the second time. I don't, it's not as fun as the first. Time, you know, you kind of don't get as much sympathy when you tell me I just fell out and flat. You know, flat surface. So, but we <laughs> saw some amazing tornadoes and got some amazing videos. So it was oh yeah!
1: Part, Absolutely. I think what thirteen tornadoes in total.
8: Yeah, um, I mean, 5, we were on the miles. We were on the ground for twenty minutes, and we were already mm-hmm. seeing tornado warnings issued. So. Yeah, it was amazing. Should
1: we roll the clip? We should. Yeah.
8: So, you can hear the tornado sirens are going off here in Sterling, Colorado. It's the first time I've ever experienced tornado sirens. Here's the tornado worn cell right here. Hey, hey, right there, ground circulation across the field. Right there, look. Yep, 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 yep. There's your tornado right there. And then actually roped out to this little tiny pencil. Uh, It was a crazy storm, and then. We watched that storm continue to track, and we've, we've got just the uh, preliminary data from the National Weather Service in Wichita, Kansas. It was an EF2. Uh, but we are here in uh, just outside of Breckenridge, Colorado. And, Evan, um, we've been chasing tornadoes, hail, flood. Now it's snowing and grappling. As you can see, it is really uh, coming down. and it's.
1: Truthfully, I think my favorite part of the trip was just getting to drive The tornadoes were amazing, the weather was amazing, but seeing that much of the country, uh, something like 12 states, um, was just unreal. I've never been out there
3: before.
8: We have been experiencing a lot of heavy rain, and if you've been following along with us, uh, we've been trying to give you up-to-date um, information. So here's what we have right now. There are three counties in western North Carolina that are currently under a state of emergence on the screen. We uh, see that sharp rise in, in the in the water levels, and uh, this is pretty significant uh, rise in just a short amount of time. So uh, if you know folks who live along the Catawba River near Lake Norman, and just find an alternate way to, to get where you're going and if you don't have to be out tonight we encourage you
0: just to stay inside get ready here to pop radar back up on the screen this is rain that is literally generating over the region especially with that slope there in western north carolina so as as people are looking at their own radar apps keep in mind just because there isn't something there now doesn't mean there won't be something there later scotty More of the best of the Carolina Weather Group coming up. Now back to the best of the Carolina Weather Group 2019.
6: got lulled into a situation where because they could see the airport they really didn't factor in the severity of the weather the air traffic controllers didn't really see what the crew was seeing on the airplane and because of that lack of information that may have been the difference in getting the crew to abort the landing sooner rather than later but at the end of the day uh, Greg Feith- who is the former investigator on this case, said it, w- it really all came down to that Doppler radar missing link. If they were able to communicate what they could see on the radar, if they had the radar, perhaps the pilots could have either aborted their landing sooner, kind of gone around sooner, or kind of avoided the area for a little bit.
5: Can you tell us a little bit about what
6: radar is and scientifically
5: how it works? As the beam is fired out into the atmosphere, uh, it reflects off these weather targets—hydrometeors, if you will. Uh, generally speaking, you're talking about raindrops, but it could also be uh, hail. It could be some sort of ice. It could be a mixture. It could be grapple. The problem is that the radar is sampling too high
1: above the ground for it to be you know, any real useful data. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's um. You know, when you're detecting severe weather, it happens near the ground. Now it's important to know what's going on in the cloud above, but because the earth is curved, as the radar beam gets farther away from the radar sites, it starts looking higher and higher up in the sky. So, for instance, from GSP, which is Greer, South Carolina, when the radar beam gets to Charlotte, depending, what, what, depending, on, what t- or depending on what part of town you're on, it's either around 6,000 feet to as high as 8,000 feet. And then you get up towards Concord and Salisbury. It's like 10 to 13,000 feet above the ground. So our, what we ended up doing was approaching the Council of Governments in the Hickory area, the Triad and the Charlotte area and so all the counties and cities in those areas are trying to work together to do a private-public partnership to buy the radars and install 3C band radars to fill this we won't we don't like to call it a radar gap because (laughs) there is radar coverage this is to enhance or improve the radar coverage in the Western Carolinas right now we have what is considered fair weather or fair, I would say fair, not fair weather, but fair radar coverage. We basically want to have excellent radar coverage. So our goal is, I always tell when I talk to public officials about this, like think of these things as cell phone towers. We're getting one bar. We want to put a cell phone tower closer so we get five bars.
8: We want to bring in our guest tonight, Mr. Eli Jacks. Like I said, he is the uh, program leader for the Hazard Simplification Program.
5: For people who aren't familiar with what the
10: hazard simplification process is, can you explain it and and why the Weather Service is interested in doing it? So uh, at the very foundation, uh, we have three headline terms. We issue watches, we issue warnings, and we issue advisories. Probably the most significant issue uh, is that the three terms are presumed to be hierarchical. We're not changing the watch warning and advisory terms, but there are two main components of the repair effort that are already underway. The first is what we're calling consolidation. Reducing the number of products, get below 100 products is to greatly reduce the number of um, our flood products. We're gonna go from five flavors of flood advisory to just one and uh, flash flood watch and flood watch into one flood watch. One other um, uh, important piece is gonna be the um, uh, impact-based tags that are gonna be added to flash flood warnings. Uh, And this pertains to wireless emergency alerts, your phone going off. And so the phone will only go off uh, starting later this fall uh, for considerable and catastrophic tags. Uh, And so the fear is that if given the number of flash flood warnings that are issued, Uh, that people, we fear that people will turn their phones off, will turn their alerting function off, and that's the last thing we want.
8: Let's bring in Mark Sutter tonight. Uh, He does uh, operate the hurricanetrack.com website. Mark, um, you, my friend, uh, were in the middle of Dorian as it made its pass through the Carolinas. So uh, first of all, welcome back to the show, and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like experiencing Dorian out on the Outer Banks.
2: Yeah, I'm going to tell you what, Scotty, Dorian was certainly the hardest, most challenging event of my 25 years of doing this, Buxton, or in Rodanthea, went down to Buxton right after sunrise, and finally got into the eye of that sucker, and it was, there was a couple moments where I did the old Forrest Gump thing, where, you know, Lieutenant Dan is yelling at the sky or whatever, except I wasn't really angry, I was like, you know, I made it. You know, I see you, Dorian, or whatever. It's a weird thing, but that's a lot of effort to put in. But it worked. And we got some great data, some very interesting video. And it showed that our equipment can be spread from Puerto Rico to Buxton. I won't say with very little effort, but I survived it. Here I am. <laughs> knew it was coming, but we just had no idea that it would be like this. It was a rough night, but we didn't know how bad the devastation was until we went out the next morning and the trees were all down. We stayed outside in the hurricane for two and a half to three hours on that sofa. This used to be a road here at Folly Beach, and over there was the Atlantic House Restaurant, which was a landmark for tourists, visitors, and the residents. About 80% of the homes along Folly Beach have been destroyed.
10: Parts of the popular resort look more
5: like East Beirut rather than the Sun fun City. Saturday morning, armed National Guardsmen patrolled streets and beaches, discouraging sightseers and potential looters.
2: And on the shelves, there are boxes of oatmeal and spices and hanging on the wall. There's some cups. It's real weird.
10: Will you rebuild?
2: At this point,
4: I don't know. One of the most dramatic sights was this sailboat tossed into the middle of the
5: road near Charleston Marina. It was like a scene from a war movie. And uh, the losses had just been far above what we anticipated even after the storm. I mean, uh, driving around, looking at it, we knew it was bad, but we had no idea it was as bad as it is.
9: This is the Carolina Weather Group's 30th anniversary Hurricane Hugo special. Hurricane Hugo. Hurricane Hugo two words that evoke a lot of emotion from Charlestonians who have uh, been here, who have uh, who lived it. It's the storm which they make their evacuation decisions. It's the storm by which uh, everything is measured here uh, when it comes to tropical systems. It's the storm by which we hope we never experience again, but statistically speaking, we probably will. Um, and so, you know, so Hugo is a cautionary tale. It is a clear reminder of what nature could do. Hugo is the benchmark storm. It is the one by which all other storms are measured. Wind gusts 110, 120 sustained winds 110, 120, max sustained 135 at landfall, category 4 on the saffir Simpson scale. Came ashore just northeast of Charleston. Came ashore uh, the center's uh, worst impacts uh, were felt. Sullivan's Island, Isle of Palms, numerous homes rendered uninhabitable. Couldn't live there. Uh, many, many boats pushed ashore. Those photos of the those photos of the boats being pushed ashore, pushed ashore is still is one of the most lasting memories for me. Um, the Ben Sawyer Bridge, like we talked about earlier, you know, completely taken off. You know, completely just just twisted out of whack. Uh, taking a month to repair, which is remarkable. It only took that long numerous trees down so many trees down in the Francis Marion forest that there are no longer any logging operations there. It shut it shut that down. There weren't enough trees.
0: Jared. Thanks so much. We're going to go a little bit further north now to Myrtle beach. Previously on this program, we had meteorologist Tom Sorrells who at the time was an up and coming meteorologist in Myrtle beach. He now works in Orlando, Florida, a place where they are still not strangers to the hurricane. But in this experience, Tom was about to cover his very first hurricane. He was very excited, but he told us about the moment he realized he had a lot on his plate.
7: We knew by Monday that maybe, we thought by Tuesday we might luck out, and then by late Tuesday it was obvious, uh, the modeling that we had the capacity for at the time, all the reports out of Miami from the Hurricane Center were not good, and so I was still, 26-year-old me, going, come to Papa, this is going (laughs) to be fun, this is going to be great, and I've got copies or or tape of me talking to Bob Sheets Sheets about, hey, Dr. Sheets, this thing has grown up even bigger. How big is it now? And he turns (laughs) and looks straight in the camera at me and goes, well, it's a Category 4 now, Tom, and you and Myrtle Beach are dead direct in its sight. You're going to be the bullseye. And I'm like, oh. And that's the first time it was ever real to me.
8: We caught up with Eric Thomas earlier this summer at the National Hurricane Awareness Tour. Eric reflects back on what he remembers as Hugo was bearing down on Charlotte, North Carolina.
5: You know, and so, I mean, we had the little 300 baud weather ticker back then, you know, tick, 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 you know, bringing up the data. And so, uh, but to, to their credit, you know, AccuWeather, as this storm was getting closer, you know, was, was letting us know, look, this thing has got a very fast forward speed. It was like coming into the coast at around 35, 40 miles per hour. And the problem with that is you've got a category four hurricane down there. And this thing is going to be up in Charlotte, you know, within four five, six hours, that, that's not much time for a cat four to spin down, is it? Right. Even with that though, we had no idea, uh, that it was going to create the amount of destruction that it did. Uh, I remember when the first light came up, and I was there all night, and we looked out the windows out of the radio station that we have there, and my jaw just dropped because it seemed like there must have been 95, 100 pine trees that were just mowed down. It looked like Godzilla had come through. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. And, uh, and then, of course, the rest is history. You know, we've always heard about how people were without power for three weeks. You hear the sounds of chainsaws buzzing in the air you know, week after week. I remember when I was trying to get home that day and it took me a long time to get home because of all the blocked roads that, you know, the very first intersection that I came to right at the bottom of our hill, uh, there was a National Guardsman there with his M16 machine gun, you know, in the intersection. And and that's when it really hit me. I thought, you know, it feels like I am in a war zone here.
8: We also caught up with Larry Sprinkle at the Charlotte Douglas International Airport for the Hurricane Awareness story. And Larry tells us about what it was like covering Hugo while on the air.
2: And I'll never forget the camera was was like here in front of me. And off to my left is the main part of the studio. And so I'm talking and I'm saying, uh, we've uh, we've had reports of wind gusts over 90 miles an hour near Shaw Air Force Base, winds over 70 miles an hour in Charlotte. And about that time I could hear something off to my left, kind of a creaking sound. And then all of a sudden I looked over and about 500 pounds of ceiling came in right next to me. So the camera did pick it up, but, I, but I'm like this. The camera is here, but my eyes are like this. And part of the ceiling just caved in in front of me. We've received gust up to uh, uh, about 100 miles an hour Shaw Air Force Base. I've been distracted because uh, as a lot of people are experiencing, part of our ceiling just collapsed in here. This is a very serious system. Back to you guys in the newsroom. So I we went back to our news anchor uh, uh, at the time, Rick Jackson. And so Rick goes, uh, his camera's back on him, he goes, Larry, let me ask you a question. Larry? Larry was on his hands and knees, crawling. <laughs> Took me two seconds to get out of the studio.
4: Gosh, so, so I, I've, I call these Tim's snow rules. They could also be called Tim is grumpy when winter happens, and these are things to avoid to keep you less grumpy, movement now not a real movement it's like a facebook movement but there's a movement to change halloween to no longer be october 31st for it to be the set last saturday of october i'm i'm the old grumpy type that's like why 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 are you moving this stuff around i don't know
0: so there are two things that make you grumpy when people try to move holidays and when it's (laughs) when it snows i mean you said it before and i put it in the lower third tim is grumpy when winter happens
4: (laughs) there are many more things than that that make me grumpy that's just the tip of the iceberg
0: Welcome to the 300th episode of the Carolina Weather Group. How has it been long enough for 300 shows? Um, all I will say is I think I wasn't on the first 200 shows, but I think when you guys started, I still had hair. But actually, um, you know who had really great hair? Scotty Powell.
8: You know that was that was a young Scotty Powell. Look at that—a little bit more slender than what I am now. That's what age does to you, I guess.
0: Um, one of the Founding fathers of this little niche on the internet is James Span, as mm-hmm. I think many of you are aware. We've done 300. I think he's done a, a, a thousand.
8: Yeah, WeatherBrains so, has been going a long time.
0: That's right, WeatherBrains has been going a very long time. Um, you guys managed to book him in the early days.
8: Yep. One year into the show, we got James Span. We're like, how did that happen? How did we get James Span? <laughs> And we've only been
5: doing this a year. The Weather Service can't call out landmarks. You know, a tornado is 14 miles southwest of Clanton. Nobody knows where that is. Even if you live in that county, you don't know where that is. But if you tell them it's at Jim's Pit Barbecue, everybody knows where that is if you live there.
0: All right, guys. Uh, I think it's time that we um, take a message from our friends.
5: 300 episodes of the Carolina Weather Group, 300, and they said it wouldn't last. What do these people know? Hey, congratulations, that's a milestone. A lot of folks uh, don't make it that long, but the the show's great, great content, great discussion. So thanks for your uh, work on the podcast for these 300 episodes, and let's go 300 more. What do you say,
0: congratulations. Hi, I'm Ian Javanko, meteorologist at the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. Congratulations, Carolina Weather Group on 300 shows. Outstanding job and keep up the good work.
9: Hey, this is Jared Rennie. I'm a research meteorologist for the North Carolina Institute for Climate Studies. Uh, I work in a building that has 38 petabytes of data. That is a pretty amazing number, but you know what's a more amazing number, 300. Congratulations, Carolina Weather Group.
5: Hey, Carolina Weather Group, congratulations on your 300th episode. You guys are doing great work here in the Western Carolinas, and we appreciate everything you do. Keep it going, my friends. 300 episodes, what an honor it has been to be part of those. Just a few, of course. Sharing good meteorological data and stories, and we all are certainly learning from one another. That's great. Check this out. You know how to put on a jacket? Look how cold it is outside.
4: 300, Carolina Weather Group, you're old now. And isn't that good? We hope you keep on doing your thing each and every Wednesday night. Happy to be invited from time to time to talk about triad weather. And thanks for all that you do to spreading weather awareness in the Carolinas. Keep it up, guys.
6: Hey, everybody. I'm Ed Piotrowski, the chief meteorologist at ABC 15 and Myrtle Beach. And congratulations to the Carolinas Weather Group on their 300th show. You guys provide such an awesome service to the Carolinas. We thank you very much and we wish you another 300 great shows and many, many more. Congratulations to all of you and thanks again for everything you do.
9: Hey, this is MJ, Mark Johnson from the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Wishing the Carolina Weather Group a happy 300th episode.
2: Hey, this is Dr. John Scala from Weather Brains. Happy 300th show, Carolina Weather Group. Hey,
5: Carolina Weather Group. Happy 300th episode from this Weather Brains to you. Congratulations, and here's to another 300. This is Greg Carvin, I'm the Operations Branch Chief at the Weather Prediction Center, part of the National Weather Service Centers for Environmental Prediction. Uh, Just want to congratulate the Carolina Weather Group for their uh, wonderful shows, number 300. Congratulations to the Carolina Weather Group for 300 shows
9: from all of us here at the National Weather Service in Raleigh. Keep it up guys, thanks for all you do here in
6: Central North Carolina and FAR.
0: Hi, Carolina Weather Group. This is Lauren Carroll. I'm a meteorologist at the National Weather Service at Greenville Spartanburg. All of us here at the office would like to wish you congratulations on your 300th episode. We love discussing everything from weather safety to weather balloons with you. And we wish you guys many more successful episodes.
3: Hey, congratulations, Carolina Weather Group on your third 300, 300 episode. That's crazy to think. I remember episode number three. I didn't think you'd make it past number three, but But you made it to to 300. 300. (laughs) Here's Here's the 300. 300 more. And I love that you guys have shared your passion with weather and climate with everyone in the Carolinas. Keep it going.
0: I don't know who said it wasn't going to last after episode three. I mean, we clearly had at least five good shows on there, right? I mean... Uh, thanks to all of our friends across the Enterprise who took the time out to send us a video. We really do appreciate it uh, and happy to have them on tonight as we are celebrating the 300th episode, which, by the way, I did a little research on this, guys. That puts us in the ranks of like Law and Order and a bunch of other shows like c- Gunsmoke. Um... <laughs>
1: the Charleston conversation just because I know you know, myself, Jared and Shay all live in Charleston and it's amazing how desensitized we've become. I mean over the past four years we've had four mandatory evacuations in downtown
6: Charleston and you know Sunday day flooding happens several times a month. What is it the 20 highest tides in Charleston? Aren't they all like in the 2000s now or I mean... They had a, a huge one last, was it November, Jared, when it crashed it up at like 8. Well, I mean, 2016 was huge. For, I mean, you had all sorts of high ties in 2017.
9: Hugo was still number one as far as like the, you know, just gauge readings. Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, but Jim, you're exactly right. I mean, it, it, the vast majority of these, I, I got it pulled up here now. Yeah. I mean recent yeah all of the recent crests all of the recent high crests the, the you know the top 10 ones are 2015 2016 2017 18 19 three of them three eight foot tides this year i mean that that's i i, I mean that we that's just it's just uh, you know just getting crazy on us and i, and I think the, the one thing you know you know evan bringing up the evacuations and, and the flooding there was no evacuation for irma yet that, that was that could have been very justified based on the fact that we you know. That was our uh, yeah. I mean that was our third highest tide on record 9.92
6: feet I mean that was that, that, that was crazy guys uh, you've got a you've got a hurricane a weakening hurricane on the west coast of Florida but yet you've got massive tidal flooding uh, up the northeast coast of Florida and South Carolina and Georgia So wow yeah that, that, that one still gets to me uh, as, as to how incredible the reach was with, with that storm um, even though it's barely 100 miles an hour by time it got north of Fort Myers if, if it was even that so that, yeah that was that was a that was a crazy storm And I, all and I'm, I'm gonna tell you i, I Dorian was my hundredth tropical system that I had been out on for the Weather Channel okay whether it be depression or storm or hurricane anywhere in the world you know, that was my hundred one and they're all different hey they are there's nothing that per, is any way, shape, or form the same way. So I, I I feel sad sometimes when I hear people say, well, you know, this one's only a one because I left for the three and that wasn't so bad. But yet all of a sudden you get these massive floods. You know, and there's so many different aspects of, of hurricanes and tropical systems that people just don't understand. So you can't base your decisions on leaving on cash so much great work that's been done at Hurricane Center and the emergency management local local, on the local level of getting people out. So when they issue the evacuation warning, just realize there's so much that's gone into that. They're not just trying to make your life harder. They're actually trying to get you out of uh, what is a potential flood situation. Thanks to
0: Jim Cantore and all of our guests in 2019. We couldn't do it without them and we couldn't do it without you. Thanks so much for being a loyal fan of the Carolina Weather Group. We hope your new year is off to a great start. Please stay subscribed and we'll see you back here next time for another edition of the Carolina Weather
6: Group.